talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome to View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, once again joined by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, we have now rolled through six weeks of the spring football season, and it was exciting right down to the very end. Week six was some really good football. This was, yeah. it went out with a bang, big time. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're recording this on a Monday night, so we're 72 hours removed from it, and it's still is you know reverberating like it just happened last night because like you said it it had a lot of games a lot of action all coming down to the final wire and all happening at the right or at the at the final moment so it's probably a a nightmare for uh people on deadlines like the tv crews and the the beat writers but uh, that's not my problem so uh, for (laughs) us as fans uh it was an awesome friday night and uh, a good saturday so yeah week six definitely uh came to play And Mitch, we've talked about it forever. You know, there were no playoffs this year in this spring football season, but week six was so exciting and the energy and the excitement was there. You're talking Princeton and Fulton going up against each other. The United Township Sterling game out in the Northwest Upstate Illini. You have Dupec and Lena Winslow, two great teams going against each other in week six. It just, the schedule set itself up so well. And man, those teams delivered. There was a lot of exciting football I'm going to jump right in this week. We always start with our viewpoints. I'm jumping in with my first viewpoint. Mitch, how about United Townships Deslegadian with a jump pass to Christian Kaiser for the win with 20 seconds left at Sterling? That's Sterling's first loss ever in the Western Big Six. It came down to the wire. That game had so much potential, and it delivered. I was watching it on the live stream in real time on Friday night. And man, it was great. It it doesn't replace being there on the sideline, but man, to to be in there, you felt that energy. You felt that excitement. Huge congratulations to United Township. We'll talk more in detail about the game, but man, shades of Tim Tebow with the jump pass to win it. Yeah, yeah, a more more precise pass than I remember those passes being from Tebow. <laughs> um, and we and we've actually got a, a a pretty nice nugget about that play that we'll get to in the game recap. Yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, what an unbelievable game. And I'm sticking there for actually my first two viewpoints this week. All right. Uh, my, my first, and I'm going to, I'm going to give some kudos to both teams first and foremost, though, because it's a season long effort, but it especially showed up in this game, the UT offensive line and Kane Smith, they went up against the top rated defense in the Western big six and they completely thrashed it. Just uh, records out the window huge numbers being put up by those guys. So again, all the credit in the world. I wish I had the roster because I, I couldn't find all of UT's linemen. So if you're listening to this, if you're on the offensive line for UT, this is for you. For Kane Smith, this is again for you. Uh, so congratulations to them on an unbelievable performance on Friday night. Did you see the opening play of the game? Yeah. Kane Smith went 60 plus yards, nearly untouched. If he was touched, maybe his jersey was grazed as he went through the line, yeah. but that was it. That was such an effort. That was all offensive line. You could tell yep. they had the blocks set up perfectly. They executed. He just ran through the hole. That was it. It was awesome. Yep. Yep. If, if, if you watch the huddle highlights that he put out on his Twitter feed, you just watch the linemen. Like you can just see how many yards he gets. Obviously credit to him, but he owes a lot of credit to the, to the line too. Yeah. Um, moving on and staying in the game for my second viewpoint, 
I'm going to the other side of the ball and going to Sterling because it's Nola Ponte and it's Jay Sean Howard. These two guys, and we'll, again, we'll talk more about the game itself in a minute and what kind of position those two guys were put into going into yep. the game. But what an effort on a depleted Sterling team that they put together. Uh, Ponte has over uh, just right at 300 total yards. Jay Sean Howard has 190 and three scores. They kept Sterling in the game up until the very end. Um, so kudos to those guys for really stepping up in a tight spot. And Aponte was not a quarterback and he was thrown right. into the position. He's a dynamic athlete. And yep. I tell you what, you watch the game and you wouldn't have really known much different that he was not a quarterback for most yep. of the year, you know, great effort by him. And actually Mitch of all things, I just saw on Twitter today that he hit a home run in baseball. So he's, he's doing okay. He's bounced yeah. back just fine. Yeah. It only took him three days. So no, no big deal. That's right. Well, I'm going to jump into my second viewpoint. And Mitch, we've talked about, I feel like our viewpoints end up being the same players every week, but guess what? They earn it. They deserve it because they keep putting up the numbers and there's so many players to talk about and they can't all fit into our three viewpoints, but I got to go Colton Quagliano in his farewell game in football for Anuan Weathersfield, 318 passing yards, 348 total yards, five touchdowns through the air, six total I just, man, that kid that in that program was something special. And you really wish I tweeted it out the other night. You know, you try to stay positive and not harp on the things you can't control, but you really wish you could have seen what this Mm -hmm. team could have done in the playoff scenario because they were ready for it. They were there. They were a senior group with a leader like that Colton Quagliano and all stater in multiple sports. It just, you know, what an effort by him. And, you know, credit to him for coming out and credit to that team for doing what they've done. I just, I had to shout him out in this viewpoint. He, he's earned it, you know, yeah. this game and this season and his career. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Aponte hitting a home run today for Sterling because I saw that Quagliano was a little upset. He wasn't included on a, on a must-watch list out of Peoria. So an all-stater in football, an all-stater in basketball. I'm not sure his accolades in baseball, but I imagine he's very good because he's good in everything that he does. So, yeah, these kids are just jumping right into the next thing. If, if you're the Peoria Journal star who put that article out, how do you not think about his name? Come yeah. on. He did everything in basketball. He's done all his work in football. And now heading into the baseball season, you don't just think maybe we should toss him in because he seems like a pretty well-rounded yeah. athlete. I think that's, yeah, that's an oversight. And like he said, that's a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, he, it's there. He takes that yeah, and it, runs with it. Yeah, in case he needed in case he needed one. Now he's got one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, uh, moving to my third viewpoint, I'm sticking uh, with the quarterbacks. And like you said, too, there's there's too many players to name. And that's why I'm going to group two quarterbacks into my my last viewpoint from the same game. Uh, the Princeton-Fulton game, which we'll talk about, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable performances from their quarterbacks. For Princeton, Tyler Gibson. And for Fulton, Connor Barnett. They had over 600 total yards in this game. Uh, and I think they had six touchdowns. So over 600 yards, six touchdowns. A great game. Uh, you know, Fulton set the pace. Princeton came back. Just awesome performances from both quarterbacks. So they uh, they share my third viewpoint this week. I'm sticking with quarterbacks for my third viewpoint this week. And it's a name we've talked about a lot, like we said, but they keep delivering. Will Gustafson, there's so many records that he's broke between his program and his conference that yep. it's hard to keep track of. We'll try to get him all listed in the, in the yeah. game recap a little bit later. But let's go through it real quick. He had seven touchdowns total in this game, including a punt return for a touchdown. 
So just, you know, seven more on top of everything he's done. Aquin comes away with the big win. They finish off a great spring 21 season. And man, a lot to be excited about for that Aquin program. But um, just what an effort by him. What an effort by that offense in general to continue to do what they do. That's my third viewpoint. You got to get that name in there again, right? Yeah. And like you said, names that we, we heard for the last six weeks, but they, they deserve it. And it's just, it's cool to see. So a uh, good job for all these kids uh, this year. Yeah. Mitch, are you ready to break down week six, the finale of the spring 2021 season? I was, I was ready on Friday. I almost suggested that we do some sort of live show to really get our true <laughs> yeah. in time reactions because we were, you know, I was, I was sending messages to you. I was sending them to Kyle at NUIC. Just everyone was just enjoying the night. So yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I had, I had three screens pulled up. I had a TV, I had another side TV and a laptop and, yep. you know, I'm trying to watch everything. I'm also trying to watch my kids who are running around the basement too, but right. there was so much good football on Friday night. And, you know, like I said earlier, you kind of just, for a second, you kind of just lose the fact that there was no playoffs. It's just living in the moment in the week six. It was great football. And man, we have to start in the Western big six and we have to start with United Township. They come away with a 47, 44 win at Sterling. And it's just their, their story is, is great. I mean, I saw Steve Susie talking about it from Friday night drive, um, Mm -hmm. you know, from their high school football coverage that they do across the state and they do a great job with it. And he wrote an article today, almost apologizing for his prediction in the regular season for them was zero and six. And, you know, he based it off of projections and previous year's results. And guess what? United Township had not had the results in the Western big six. So part of it was history that led into his prediction. And man, he, he admitted he could not have been more wrong and saying that they were one of the most exciting stories in the state. And yeah. I totally agree. Could not agree anymore. This team is for real. This program is, you know, like a rocket firing off. Yep. And it all started from the first play from scrimmage. You talk about Sterling's been keying in on Kane Smith all week. And right. guess what? Kane Smith first play from scrimmage goes 60 plus yards for a touchdown. Like we talked about in the viewpoints, nearly untouched. What an yeah. effort from him. What an effort from United Township. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think I mentioned in my, in my viewpoint too, that this was a game where I think Sterling in their first five games had let up like 260 yards total rushing through five games, Yeah, to, you know, top of the top of the conference. So they knew that they were going to have a big test uh, against UT. And I don't know if they, if they even imagined uh, what was coming down from that first play. You know, this was, this was a game that we've talked about this type of game is what we've talked about on the Western big six all year long. This conference is becoming the big 12, you know, college football's big 12 is the offensive firepower conference. That's what the Western big six is becoming. You look at Kane Smith goes for 347 yards and four touchdowns. You know, Deslegadian has another huge game at quarterback and just, he's a playmaker. He was a dynamic playmaker. It came down to the wire Sterling was up 44-34 midway through the fourth quarter. 
Deslegadian hits senior Dakari Baldwin for an 18-yard touchdown on a fourth down to make it 44-40. So just talk about Gadian being a clutch playmaker. You see it right there. So Panthers still trailing by four. They forced Sterling to punt the first punt of the game. Sterling cannot punt it all game, like we talked about the Big 12 and the offensive firepower. They had not punted all game. So UT gets the ball back. They're at their own 13-yard line with about two and a half minutes left. Of course, Kane Smith busts off a huge run that looked for a second like he was going to go all the way. He did get tracked down. Then UT finds themselves in a third down situation at the Sterling six-yard line. Christian Kaiser catches a five-yard, like we said, the jump pass from Gadian with 22 seconds left. It turned out to be the game winner. And the best part about it is UT head coach Nick Welch tweeted out on Friday night or Saturday morning that Kaiser, the wide receiver or the tight end, called the play in the huddle. He called that. That's amazing to have that type of trust and to have that senior leadership. What an effort from United Township. I mean, just go through some of the, you know, the historic aspects of this win. It's amazing. Great win for the Panthers. Yeah. Um, a couple of things as I try and, and go back to what you said on when they were down 10, that touchdown pass uh, to Baldwin came after uh, a sack on third down. So they were really backed up. It was fourth and goal from, I think the 18. Yeah, that's right. Um, and just, uh, yeah, unfortunately I was listening to this game, so I really didn't, you didn't get to see it, but uh, you can hear the, <laughs> the dejection real quick from the Sterling broadcast team. And then going back to Kane Smith's 65-yard run to set up that final touchdown, um, you, like you said, it looked like he was gone. And I think it was a Ponte and another guy who, who ran him down. Um, so just unbelievable effort from, from everyone in this game. Um, and on, on the jump pass, credit to, to Nick Walsh for trusting his seniors. It reminded me of, you've seen the, like the NFL Films video from the Super Bowl when uh, Nick Foles is talking to Coach Pearson with the Eagles, and he was like, do you want to run Philly special? And the look on Pearson's face is like, what? <laughs> yeah, okay, let's do that. Like, it catches you off guard, and then you, you think of it, and, you know, okay, that's going to work. So, um, yeah, just not to spoil it, I mean, but this is in the running for game of the year for sure because it was awesome. It lived up to the billing when, at the beginning of the year, maybe we and, and certainly other writers uh, didn't think so. Yeah. And, you know, we also have to credit Sterling because, man, they yes. battled in this game and they had, uh, I mean, a variety of issues across the board, offense, defense, special teams. I think you name it. And they had guys that were missing guys that yep. were playing out of position. And, you know, it starts with Noe Ponte. I mean, he mm-hmm. steps in at quarterback and he shows what kind of athlete he is. And for that kind of effort in a game where, you know, I think let's be honest, the pressure became on Sterling, you know? Yeah. I mean, United Township certainly had everything to play for as far as momentum is concerned for their program, but the pressure is on Sterling. They had not lost a Western big six game and Sterling showed up for being so undermanned. I think they really showed up and they had that game and it's just credit to United Township for having yeah. that extra, you know, that little extra effort, that little extra firepower, to get the job done, but what a game. And I know it sounds cliche, but don't you leave that game thinking like you just hate that someone has to lose that one. 
because man, for, for everything Sterling's put up over the past year and a half in the Western big six and for what United Township is building, you hate to see one of them has to lose that one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and it's, it's one of those weird dynamics of trying to evaluate this game because it's like you said, you know, we had gotten word ahead of the game that it was going to be the Aponte and Howard show and not to, you know, uh, throw any shade to any other Sterling player, but those are two really big dynamic playmakers that you have left on your roster. And so with just those two guys, with all of their COVID issues, or like you said, players playing out of position, you don't want to take away from UT's win because it is a monumental win for UT. Yep. But it is also an incredible effort for a Sterling team that has been so good. They're still so good. They're, you know, the de facto uh, or, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, still conference champion this spring. Yep. And they're going to bring a lot back in the fall. So um, I, I guess all you can say is just credit to both teams because it was an unbelievable game. Yeah, one team had to lose. Uh, unfortunately, it was Sterling. Uh, but they uh, they'll be looking to come back here in about five, six months. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah, that program's not going anywhere. And you know, United Township is primed to continue their run too. We gotta wrap it up with, you know, reading some of the, you know, the game notes, the history aspects of this game notes. Yeah. First four-game winning streak in the Western Big Six for United Township since 1992. Unbelievable. So just yeah, I mean. You talk about needing that spark to turn a program around, man, Nick Welch has it. This, this yep. is, this is what you wanted this spring and credit to them. So move along another interesting, I called it a real sneaky, great matchup in week six Moline at Geneseo Moline mm-hmm. comes away with the 42 to 21 win. It was a lot closer than that for a long stretch in this game. Moline pulls away but these are two teams that are going to be back next year and they're going to be really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we've been talking uh, off air about teams that we're thinking about in the fall and, and Moline is certainly one of them because, you know, they, they had a, you can call it a down year, I, I suppose. Maybe they've got you know, newer guys are just trying to get some experience uh, here in the six game stretch. I think they finished two and four, um, but they've got Alec Ponder and Matthew Bailey coming back. And that when you have the conferences, uh, you know, at, at the end of the season, the leading passer and the leading receiver or one of the leading receivers. That's a good cornerstone to come back with in this game. Yeah. Yep. And from the Geneseo side of the ball, they got a lot of players returning too for an offense that kind of got things moving a little bit and also a defense that was very solid all year long. The difference in this game, Moline scored on seven of their final eight possessions. That, you yeah. know, so once that Moline defense or once that Moline offense gets it rolling, man, they're hard to stop. We've talked about it a lot and they really turned it on. Yeah. We, and again, I, I, you know, if whatever Moline's record was, like I said, I think it was two and four, they've shown signs that they can really compete with the best of the best and, and they can really turn it on the, the Rocky game, the Sterling game, this game here, uh, you know, they were up 21 to nothing at one point. Geneseo starts to make a comeback. It was a one score game in the third. Yep. But as we mentioned, it was Alec Ponder. Uh, it was Jaheim Thornton and Matthew Bailey who really led the way for the Maroons on the way all the way out. I think there's a lot of people around the Western Big Six looking at that Moline dynamic and thinking, how are we going to stop them again yeah. next year? So, yeah. you know, that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Moving right along, Alleman gets the win at Galesburg. Close one there. Allman wins 23 to 20. Tristan Legate threw three more touchdown passes. He stepped in very nicely for Grant Ayton, who got hurt earlier in the season. 
The Pioneers rally from a 20 to zero third quarter deficit to win this game. Huge credit to the Pioneers being down 20 to nothing in week six when, you know, that that's tough. You know, that's tough to think, okay, we still got this credit to them. They fought right back and get the win. Yeah. And really just on a, on a whole uh, season long bit, Allman gets back to three and three where, uh, you know, I think they might've lost if I'm remembering right, their first game or first two games or yep. one and one. So yeah, you're down 20, nothing in the third. Um, and again, just like UT, just like Moline did, all those players aren't going to want to go out with a loss and they, they find a way to come back. Um, and, uh, like I said, they, they get back to three and three on the year. Yep. Moving along to the last game in the Western big six, rock Island gets the win over Quincy 38 to seven Eli Reese, 22 for 32, 230, 283 yards passing and four more touchdowns. He ran for a touchdown. So another great effort from Eli Reese and uh, you know, just a great effort from the rocks to end on a high note here for a talented group and a group of talented seniors as well. Yeah. In addition to Reese. So we we've said all year, Cole Russ got another big game, get five catches for 142 yards uh, in a score. Um, the first Rocky win at Quincy uh, in nine years. So uh, one of those, odd hurdles to have to overcome winning at Quincy. Uh, yep. It's always tough. Quincy had a down year, but it's a tough place to play. So, um, and kudos to Rock Island too. They had some close losses there. There are a couple plays, a couple cores away from being undefeated themselves. So uh, four and two finished for tie for second for Rocky this year, uh, a great spring. And they're going to look to do it in the fall too. Yep. So we'll go through the list here real quick. The final Western big six football standings. Sterling finishes at five and one rock Island finishes at four and two United township at four and two Geneseo three and three Alleman three and three Galesburg two and four Moline two and four and Quincy one and five, you know, you look down that list and I just, there's a lot of talent returning and it seems like we say it every year, the Western big six is, is wide open there. There's a lot of potential here for a lot of shuffling in this conference. The, you know, there's, it's going to be really hard to predict going into next year, going into the fall. Yeah. Just thinking off the top of my head, this should probably be the most competitive conference that we discuss, at least on this podcast. Cause uh, you know, UT might be losing some guys, but it's all about next man up there. Sterling, the same thing, Rocky, all these guys, the only you know team that I look at and it, the two and four Moline team that has nowhere to go with up. And I, I think they will. Yeah. Ton, yeah. It's going to be great. Cause that, that's what makes it exciting is when it's not predictable. So we have something right. to talk about that's catching us every week, you know? So that's yeah. a lot of excitement there. Let's get into the three rivers in week six, the big one. We've talked about yeah. it. Princeton defeats Fulton 49 to 38. Now head coach Ryan Pearson said that they won their semifinal and then they had their state championship against Fulton. So I suppose you'd say that, you know, are they, are they viewed from the West state champions then? Is that, is that our state champion? I think we'll, we'll discuss that probably on the next podcast Good point. Um, Good in, point. Terms, in terms of our, our teams of the year, but no one has a resume like Princeton does. I yep. mean, they beat three teams that were either ranked in the top of their class or in the top three. I think Fulton was, was third in, in this last ranking. So um, yeah, Princeton two you know, back-to-back years that they win, they win the rock and, and, you know, uh, you could say that they won the whole, whole, the whole conference without playing everybody. But yeah. Uh, yeah. This was, I think I mentioned it in my viewpoint 
spoiler for maybe game of the year for me for me okay yep let's go through it because what made this an exciting game tigers were down princeton was down 31 14 at half yeah quarterback tyler gibson and princeton they they went to work you know like we kind of expected they would they scored yeah. three times in the final 10 minutes gibson threw for his third touchdown of the game it was a 12-yard pass to Augie Christensen. That pulled the Tigers within 38-35. That was about 10 minutes left in the game. This yep. is what is really interesting. Yep. Ryan Pearson, head coach of Princeton, calls for the onside kick. Tigers recover at the Fulton 23. A few plays later, Gibson sneaks it in from a yard out. Tigers have their first lead of the game at 42-38 with 8.48 remaining. Man, an onside kick in the middle of the fourth quarter. I yeah. mean, it's not desperation time by any means yet, but man, you got to have, you know, some guts to call that one. Yeah. And if you have some confidence, it's a great yeah. play call when it, when it works, I suppose that it yeah. did. Well, and I'm, I'm rereading this note here that they recovered it as a 23. And I'm wondering what happened because I don't know where, where they kick off from, but that ball might've traveled. It might've just been uh, kicked around, fumbled around before the Tigers got it. But uh, maybe that's a typo. I'm not sure. But yeah, those are the type of calls that are going to win you games like this. Those are calls that you have to make. So yeah, credit to Ryan Pearson, uh, assist, you know, uh, sustained success. And it's because of having calls like that in your back pocket and to the kids to be able to execute it. Yep, absolutely. Go through some of the numbers here. Tyler Gibson, quarterback for Princeton, finishes with 269 total yards, four touchdowns. He had two passing, two rushing. He's had seven touchdown passes in the last three weeks. So really great finish for him. Yep. Rondé Worrells, two more rushing touchdowns. He had 11 on the season. That caps his career. You know, I saw him rushing a touchdown with about four minutes left. And I just, you know, kind of had one of those moments while you're watching it to kind of just appreciate what you're watching. And I tweeted yeah. out, you know, kind of the same thing. Like if that's the last time that he scores a touchdown for Princeton, what a run it's been. What a heck of an effort it's been from him. And just, he's been fun to watch. I mean, he's his whole career, you know, we were hearing his name as a freshman and sophomore, and he's yeah. been doing it ever since. And it's credit to him, credit to Princeton, just a great effort all the way around. And also, you know, looking through the numbers for Fulton, they did a lot of work as well. Obviously, it was, you know, your viewpoint. Ethan Rash tallied three touchdowns. Connor Barnett threw for two touchdowns. 356 yards he had 10 touchdown passing on the season man Fulton was a great program yeah and you know credit to them they're a 1a school going up against maybe the best 3a school in the state you know mm -hmm. that's the way the conference worked out this year and they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them and they went down to the wire with them yeah to, to build a 17-point lead like that on Princeton is probably not territory that that Princeton has been in very much over the last two, three years when they've been really good. Um, so yeah, credit to Fulton for, uh, you want to say credit to them for getting up that, that much, but it also infers that they lost it, but that is all the credit in the world to Princeton, to, to Tyler Gibson, to Rondé Worrells, to coach Pearson for making those tough calls. Cause they came back in a way that shows, like you said, that they are one of the best teams not only in a, in a very, very tough conference, but in the state in 3A. Yeah, that team we knew would be fun to watch, and they, they, they proved it. They lived it out. I mean, you look back, we'll talk more about it next week in kind of our, you know, whole season recap.
But yeah. when you look back at what this Princeton team did this year, they beat defending state champion Lena Winslow. They beat yep. defending state champion Sterling Newman, and they beat an undefeated Fulton team in week six. Yep. Their, their resume is solid, is really solid. So we'll talk more about them next week. Like we said, when we talk about kind of our full spring 2021 year in review, but let's mm-hmm. move right along to another team that I'm sure is going to get talked about in our year in review. Rock Ridge gets the win over Monmouth Roseville, 56 to 28. That's their third straight game. They've scored more than 50 points. So, I mean, just amazing. This team, yeah, Mitch, they just keep doing it every single week. Yeah, um, and it's, <laughs> again, we sound like broken records sometimes, but the kids put up performances that make us do it. It's, it's Peyton Locke. It's Braden Deem. It's that entire offense and entire defense, I should say, uh, that, that put us in that position because, once again, this week they showed that they are two of the most dynamic players in that conference and they're both coming back in the fall. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I think in this game, they both went over a thousand yards, uh, for the, for the season. Peyton Locke goes over a thousand on the ground. Uh, Dean goes over a thousand, uh, through the air. Um, and even you had a guy like Nate Henry who breaks the school record for receiving yards. So this was, this was an offensive, just, dynamic team all year um and they're coming back so that, that's going to be like you said a team that we're really going to be looking at because maybe in the track what's princeton going to lose what's fulton going to lose how's newman going to look this is a team that might be sitting there at the end of the at the end of the year going into the playoffs in a really good spot yeah absolutely and you know this rock ridge program you know they were down a year but they've been so solid over the past you know almost decade when you go back almost 10 years now with what they've been able to produce and they're right back in the conversation, you know, that they, they, they've, you know, vaulted right back into yeah. that talk about being one of the best teams in the three, in the three rivers. And, you know, that's exciting. That's, you know, gives us great stuff to talk about with what these players have been putting up. So let's move along another game in the Western big, or sorry, in the three rivers athletic conference, the same beat Bruins, they finished five and one on the year. They get a tough win. 27-21 over Orion. Orion led this game middle of the third quarter. Bruins come back and they hold on to get the win. Credit to Orion. You know, they've battled through this year and to hold this team, you know, in check and almost come away with the win. But St. Bede finishes the year strong, five and one. Yeah, they they had tough games. They, their only loss was to was to Newman, and that was in a in a storm of a game or just a, a torrential downpour. Uh, so yeah, congrats to the Bruins on a five and one year. Braden Damerall had 195 total yards in this one. He had a score and an interception on defense because, uh, like you said, Orion was up in the third, uh, and St. Bede's defense, uh, took over and, uh, they held on for a, a great win. Yep. All right, Mitch. Well, we're traveling down to the Lincoln trail conference and we start with the game of the week in the Lincoln trail conference was the conference championship kind yeah. of, you know, in, in some aspects, Anaheim right. Weathersfield defeats Princeville 42-22. A&W wins the LTC title for the fourth time in five years. Credit to them. Credit to Logan Willett's head coach and that program. They continue to deliver. They continue to execute on the field. You know, they've become the, you know, the top dog in the LTC. And they yeah. had to prove it in week six. And credit to them for getting the job done there. 
Yeah, uh, and beat a really good undefeated Princeville team who is the only team that has stood in their way from winning five straight because I think Princeville yep. won in 20, 2017. So, yep. um, yeah, so fourth time in five years that they win this thing. Uh, they're, let me give you this stat. The Titans are 19-2 and two in their last 21 home games. So a, a very tough place to play. That's not going to change next year, even though they might be losing some, some key players. Um, but – like you said in your viewpoint, this was a game that Colton Quagliano really shined. And that's not to say that his performance uh, was any different than any other game he's ever played, because that yep. seems to be how it goes for him. But, uh, you know, when you when you can pass over 300 yards and, and you have six total touchdowns and you've got guys like Cole Truxell and, and Tucker Miller on the receiving end, you're going to put up just unbelievable numbers. Um, so, yeah. Great job by AW um, on another conference title uh, and a big win uh, over the weekend. Yeah, we will talk a lot more about Quagliano's career stats next week when we kind of talk about our, you know, recap of the 2021 season and what some of these seniors have done. And he's certainly one of the seniors that we will talk about. But looking at this week in particular, Quagliano, like I said, 318 passing yards, five touchdowns. He had 348 total yards. Six total touchdowns, one on the ground. And like you said, Cole Truxel, Tucker Miller, each had two receiving touchdowns. You know, what I love and what I think maybe doesn't get acknowledged enough is when you say that Colton Quagliano is a dynamic quarterback, I think immediately people think high school quarterback who's dynamic, he runs the ball. That's what he does. Mm -hmm. That's not the case here. He's really become a passing quarterback. And that's what I think I really appreciate and early in the season or before the season started, when interviewing um, Logan Willits, their head coach, he talked about that was what Colton wanted to improve on was to become a quarterback that was going to pass the ball around the yard. And he, he really, he did that this year and, you know, you see it in the numbers. Yeah. Um, and really a continuation from his basketball career. Cause that's, he was that type of player on the court too, a guy who can, uh, be an all-around basketball player who can not only put up 20 a game, but he's going to dish out five assists and grab eight boards. So yeah, just an unbelievable athlete. Uh, you know, he should be mentioned in probably the all-time names that you think of when you think of area players, because it's not just in football, it's in every single sport that he plays. Yeah, well, he's got that chip on his shoulder now heading into baseball. Yeah, right. So, so he's, he's about to hit 75 home runs uh, <laughs> in like in about 20 games and he'll break a bunch of records and yeah, we'll be, we'll somehow be talking about him in the fall because I'm sure he'll show up somewhere. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, moving right along, Mercer County gets the win over Stark County. The Golden Eagles win 50 to eight to finish four and two. And they finish in the middle of the pack third place in the LTC. Braden Williams rushed for 204 yards and a touchdown. Also quarterback, Matthew Lucas rushed for 102 yards and a touchdown. He also threw for 99 yards and a touchdown. So all around great effort from Mercer County. They finished this year strong at four and two. And Mitch, a couple more games in the LTC to wrap things up for the 2021 season. Ridgewood gets the win. The Spartans win 54 to 30. They also finished four and two in the LTC, but they secure their third straight winning season. So credit to the Spartans and head coach Bruce Redding for really getting this Spartans program turned in the right direction. They had been under 500 and, you know, kind of struggling for a while, but this Ridgewood program originally comes from, you know, Cambridge who had, yeah. you know, 
some of the best football in the LTC and in the right. state. They're in in the state, you know, you know, conversation for a long time. So yep. credit to Bruce Redding for getting this program kind of back on the map in the LTC. They looked really good this year. We talked about their dynamic offense. So that's a nice way for them and for their seniors to go out with the win over United. You also had Ottawa Marquette getting the 30 to nothing win over Mid County. So Marquette, the independent program coming in for this one year in the LTC, and they show themselves well. They finish at four and two in the conference, you know, getting the big win over Ridgewood a few weeks ago um, at home. So, you know, credit to Marquette. They're not going to stick around the LTC. I think they're going to remain independent. And next year, Knoxville and A-Town move into the LTC. So credit to Marquette for a nice showing in the Lincoln Trail Conference. The other interesting note is that it's been announced in the past week that Mid-County, the Galva is going to separate from the Mid-County football co-op. So I don't have any definitive, I haven't seen anything definitive on what they're doing next, whether they're going to be an eight-man program at Galva or they're going to find another co-op, but that co-op is kind of going to switch up a little bit. So it will be yeah. Rova and Williamsfield to become, you know, the mid-county section of it. And then Galva will have to figure out what they're going to do next. But it's interesting because Galva won't have a spot in the Lincoln Trail Conference then for football. Right. They'll remain in for other sports, but, you know, it's yet to be seen what they're going to do next. So just something interesting to note there. Right. Yeah, that's where you you might, if like you said, it's a little late in the game, one, to announce that. Um, and that's where you think maybe they are headed towards an eight-man with so many other area schools doing the same thing. Um, it's, it's shown that it can work. So uh, if they've got the personnel that they can be an independent program again, and, and uh, no matter if it's eight-man or 11-man, good for them. You know, just kind of talking on the fly here, if they jump into eight-man, they're not too far removed, you know, distance-wise from some of those NUIC teams that yeah, are now going eight right. man. So there is a potential, you know, to where that could work out, but who knows? We'll have to, you know, stay tuned, see how that all yeah, pans out. Right. But speaking of the NUIC, let's go through the list. Mitch, there were two really interesting games. Actually, you know what? There was several, uh, you know, even three, because yeah. yeah, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to not include somebody, but we'll start with the one that is the non-conference game. Stockton gets the win over Winnebago. How about Stockton knocking off a big Northern team, 16-14? Good effort for them. That, that's a big win for the Stockton program. Yeah, well, you know, when, when you look like they do and you wear great uniforms like that, you're going <laughs> to go to those big conferences and you're going to beat uh, teams like Winnebago in a, in a defensive battle. Um, so, yeah, and, and kudos to both teams really for this game because this was a game – um, that they put together at the last minute in the waning days of the week. I think they put it together on like Monday or Tuesday, if I'm remembering that right. Maybe I'm not, but either way, I know it was a makeup game. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, good job for the Blackhawks to get a, a win. Um, they, they were led all the last four years by Jason Herman. He finishes his career with over 2,000 yards um, and 20 touchdowns. So, yeah, uh, like you said, great win for Stockton. Yeah, that's going to be kind of the calling card of this 2021 spring season is these games that thank you, Twitter, for making it happen, essentially. Yeah, right. It's athletic directors tweeting out, we need a game. Where are we going? And it, it worked. And you probably will never see that again, at least not to the extent we did this year. Yeah. So it was really cool. Well, and it's it's a catch-22 of sorts because if you're if you're missing a game, 
it's probably for an unfortunate reason. You know, the opponent that you had couldn't do it, whether it was numbers or, or, or COVID, you know, whatever it might be. So you always don't want to see those type of things. But the other side of that is that it creates these opportunities and these games that you might not see very often. So uh, like you said, kudos to, to ADs, coaches, players, uh, you know, guys like us or, or <laughs> medium, mediums like us who are able to get that information out um, and with the way that things spread as quickly as they do, another AD, another team sees it real quick and a phone call and it's done. So uh, yeah, uh, awesome to see. I was trying to retweet everything I ever saw all season. Yeah. As soon as I saw someone needed, needed a Aqua game, needs, I was Aqua needs a game. Stockton needs a game. Lena needs a game. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yep. So going through the list of games that, you know, I started to say there was a couple big games that these were all, you know, great. Uh, yeah. Dupec and Lena Winslow. What, what a game. This was one that we kind of had circled as two great teams meeting up at the end of the year, same as Princeton and Fulton, same as Sterling and UT. And this one, once again, it delivered. Lee Wynn scores twice in the final four minutes without Ethan Fife in the second half. Credit to them. That, that's a big win, a gutty win for Lena Winslow. Yeah, well, and think of the, think of the bookend of Lee Wynn's season. They start off against the 3A team in Princeton, and they lose that one. They come and they finish it with a 3A team uh, in conference uh, against Dupec. Uh, and, yeah, th- this is a Dupec team that we've talked about uh, all season. Shout out to our friends at Dupec, friends of the podcast. Yep. It, and it looked early on like it was going to be a typical Riverman game. Hunter Hoffman and Gabe Howard connect for two scores in the first half. Uh, I think if I'm remembering seeing the highlights correctly, Dupec scored on one of their patented jet sweeps on the first play of the, of the, uh, of the second half. They were up 21 to eight, uh, but then that's when Lena showed why they're the defending 1A state champions and probably would have made a similar run if this was a full season. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, talk about other great efforts. Uh, Jack Satterstrom, who we've talked about a lot this year, he had a scoop, uh, scoop and score on a blocked punt in the middle of the fourth quarter. So, you know, you just love to see that kind of huge effort. Uh, yep. In the final minutes, Ethan England gets a touchdown from five yards out. I believe I saw that run on Twitter and man, it was, it was, it power. was at the goal line. Yeah. It was at the goal line. And one of those that if you had replay, maybe he doesn't get in. Um, it's, it's hard to tell. From yeah. the, it's, well, it's hard to tell from the angle because yep. the cameraman is in the back of the end zone. So it's hard to see where the ball was or where the knees were, but yeah, it was him against a lot of rivermen and he, <laughs> yeah. he gets the call and gets the score. Um, and that capped off 16 unanswered for the Panthers and they get the 24, 21 win. Yeah. So that, you know, that was a great game. And that was a game that we hoped would be good. We thought it would be good. And it, it delivered like every, it seemed like every game did in this week six. Yeah. And that wins the North for Lee win. And the unfortunate part about the six win season, and we'll get to Aquin in a minute, but we didn't get to see Lee win and Aquin because that would have been an unbelievable game had they been able to play that. Well, let's jump right into it then. Aquin gets the win over Rockford Christian. You know, a game that came about late. Um, yep. I believe they had played him earlier in the year, yes. right? So That's this right. was this a rematch, is, yeah, this but was, they both teams was, needed, needed an opponent. So great, correct. great on them for making it happen. Bulldogs come away with the 56 to 7 win. Man, like we talked about, <laughs> Mitch, go down the list. There are so many records being broken that I, I can't yeah. keep track of Will Gustafson. So you got to give me it. Give me, yeah. give me the All right. list. All right. So 
Uh, Gustafson, who, as, as anyone who's listened to this podcast or knows, is the dynamic quarterback for the Bulldogs. He's going to break the NUIC record for career touchdowns in this game. I think he did. I think he either tied it or he broke it on the first touchdown. And then he added six more to, uh, you know, just to show off, including <laughs> a punt return. So just, of course, yeah. you know, yeah, why not? Just Mr. Do it everything. Um, Ty cycle, the running back, he sets a defensive record, sets a school record with four sacks in this game. Um, but, but going back to Gustafson, he sets a new Aquin record with 54 career rushing touchdowns. He sets a new conference record with 93 career offensive touchdowns and then adding in that punt. I think he had two punt returns this year, I think. Yeah. And so either, he either had a third one somewhere or he had a pick six somewhere down the line. Uh, he sets the new conference record with 96 career touchdowns. That's insane. 96. 96 touchdowns? Yep. Unbelievable. Mitch, Mitch, how many touchdowns did you have in high school? (laughs) I'm putting you on the spot. Less than that. Less than that. That's my answer. That is my answer. Yes, there you go. All right. We will talk a lot more about Will Gustafson and Aquin and, you know, everything they did in our, uh, you know, 2021 spring year in review, which we'll get to next week. So stay tuned for that. There's so much to talk about with them. Moving along, Cardinals of Forreston get the win over Eastland Pearl City, 32 to 14. We also have Milledgeville and Orangeville met on Saturday of week six. Broncos get the 26 to eight win. What's interesting is this was the farewell to 11 man football for both programs. So yep. kind of a unique situation where both teams are playing their final game of 11-man football. Credit to Orangeville. They've struggled this year. They've come up short several times. I think that there's still talent there. You know, they were just on the wrong end of, a, you know, several games, but they get the big win here. Nice for them to get the win moving into eight-man football. As far as Milledgeville, they had a great season. You know, they, they, they ended yeah. up with, I believe, four and two on this spring season. They're also heading into eight-man football with some momentum. So great effort from both of them. Mitch, another one of those big games in the Northwest Upstate Illini. Galena gets the win over East Dubuque, 42-20. to The Warriors of East Dubuque actually got out to a 6-0 lead. But man, Galena took care of business after that. They get the win. They finish at 5-1 on the season. A great year for Galena. Yeah, five and one uh, for the Pirates. Uh, names that we've talked about before, their QB, Ethan Heffel, he had 171 yards and four touchdowns in this one. Uh, Brady Schemehorn had three touchdowns. He had two uh, receiving touchdowns and another rush. So, yeah, a great win for uh, for Galena. I think their only loss was to Lee Wynn last week, I believe that was. So, um, yeah, a great win for them and a great way to finish out a, a strong year. We'll go through a few more scores here. Polo gets the big win, 62-6 to over Ashland Franklin Center, and River Ridge, 60-6 to over South Beloit. So both Polo and River Ridge, eight-man programs, very well established. They continue to roll. That eight-man division of the Northwest Upstate Illini is going to be just as exciting and interesting yeah. as the regular division of the Northwest Upstate Illini. I... I have no problems with eight man football. I really don't. I think some people kind of question it. I've seen it long enough. I've seen it on the Iowa side when I was covering local sports. So I just, I'm excited to see it in the NUIC. Well, and it's (laughs) 
it's better than the alternative of no football. So, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's certainly a change. It's something that you, you know, if you've never seen it before, uh, you know, the offensive strategy is, is really different, but it's really unique. You know, I think of like, they're different, but I'm just thinking of uh, like arena football, like a completely different brand of football, completely different set of rules and strategies, but it was exciting. It was still football. So, um, you know, when you go to eight man and you see those different changes and you shorten the field a little bit, um, it's, it's might be different, but it's way better than not playing at all. So yeah, uh, those, uh, those teams are going to continue to, to have uh, programs and, and sustain success for sure. You know, and on the other side of things for the NUIC, they now move into with Fulton moving in to the conference. Like we've talked about with Kyle Kampmeyer from NUIC football. What's interesting is the actual NUIC 11 man division is going to be a locked division. Every team's going to play each other. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be no more questions about, you know, who's the actual best team in the conference. Cause there's two divisions and they didn't yep. play each other. Everybody plays everybody now moving forward. So that yep. that's a really exciting dynamic for that conference. I just think that's always good football up there. And with eight man, it's no different to me. It's going to, it's going to be right. exciting either way. So Mitch, that will wrap us up for week six of the spring 2021 football season. That's it, man. That wraps up the spring. We have no more games to preview right now, but the good news is I did see that the fall football season is like a hundred some days away. So we're we're almost on the doorstep already, which is really exciting. So Mitch, before we move forward, before we go into this off season, we got a few more things we got to take care of. So next week's episode, we're going to kind of, tie a bow on the 2021 spring season and kind of give our best of recap episode. You know, we got to get into the superlatives as you call them. We got to talk about, you know, the best team, the best player, the best game. We got to get into all that stuff. So that'll be on next week's episode, but Mitch, I'm going to put you on the spot before we, you know, wrap up. Yeah. What stands out to you about this spring season? You know, it's, it's things that we've, we talked about before the year and it's, it's things that we saw happen and play out and talked about as we saw them play out. It's just the overall effort from these kids who have been through so much over the last year and a half. Um, and, and, you know, I, I've told the story in here before and just, it reminds me of the, the story of the Princeville kids over the fall who, or summer, I should say the past summer not knowing if they were going to play in the fall and then they weren't playing in the fall until they knew they were playing in the spring, but they were preparing for a season that they didn't know was going to happen. And I imagine that that happens at a lot of different programs. Um, But it just, it goes to the uncertainty that these kids went through that the seniors went through, not knowing if they've already played their last game or not, or if they would have a chance to stand out one more time. And even if it wasn't about that, even if it wasn't about getting a chance to, you know, if, if, if some of these kids are playing on, just a chance to play again. Um, and so thank you and kudos to everyone who, who made this happen. Um, because I can speak for every kid, every coach, every program that they really wanted to do this, had a great time doing it. Um, and I think it's going to lead to good football in the fall, because like you said, we don't have a very long break. Um, teams are going to look, completely different they're almost out of school uh you know in a month or so and they'll be in summer ball and then fall camp so um 
again, just my, my biggest takeaway is just saying thank you to, to everyone who made it possible. Yeah. I think I would segue off that. I think for me, the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from this spring 2021 season is just, it was refreshing, man. It was Mm -hmm. so nice to just get back to football. And I know it felt a little different because the crowds weren't there and and, you know, there were, there were some different dynamics with no playoffs and teams not playing full schedules. But at the end of the day, you know, in between the 100-yard line, you know, in between the, the lines, it was nice to see football again. It was just refreshing. And I'll be honest, getting to the end of the season, I know the players feel no, the sting of no playoffs. But for me, just watching, like, it doesn't hurt as bad as I thought it would to yeah. not have that next step of the playoffs. Like, I think I'm just grateful that we got something in and that we had mm-hmm. a lot to talk about. And it was a lot of exciting football to talk about. Right. And I'm just, the, the way this week six wrapped up, man, it was so good. It was so darn mm-hmm. good that I'm just, I just feel refreshed. I'm ready to jump into what should be a more normal fall season. Mm-hmm. All things, you know, God willing, hopefully. But um Let's get back to, you know, regular fall football and playoff talk and conference races and all that, because there is so much exciting talent coming back and so many programs building that, man, I can't wait. And we'll, we'll keep talking about it. We're not, we're not done yet. No, we're not done yet. So we'll, we'll keep talking about it, but for today we are done, but Mitch next week, your homework assignment is to start thinking about your best ofs. You know, you got to have your superlatives ready to go and we'll kind of, wrap up this season and you know put a bow on it figure out where the best came from because there's a lot to talk about so i'm excited to hear what you uh what you have to say because i think you know we'll have some similar you know thoughts but i think we'll be different on some too yeah um and in lieu of any uh official awards that the kids might get this year they can say that they got a made-up award from a podcast from two guys so uh (laughs) what's more what's more exciting than that that's right. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't know if it gets, I mean, we didn't have any like, you know, budget. Yeah, I, I, I certainly never won one. Uh, you know, I never got a <laughs> podcast award. So uh, this is really special. Yeah. And I, I don't want to get anybody too excited. Cause like I was going to say, we don't have the budget to like buy them trophies or anything actually of significance. Yeah. So uh, yeah. they'll just a have thumbs, to, you know, yeah. take a the thumb, credit. A thumbs get. Up. Yeah. Thumbs up and a shout That's out. Right. That's what you get. All right. Well, Mitch, we'll see you next week and we'll talk about the whole season. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.